everyone. Welcome to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton here on WCPT 820 AM. 8.20 AM. Let's try that again. And I'm super excited to welcome my co-host for this very special December 24th show is the fabulous Anna John, who is recording me as we're doing this. Um, hello, Anna. Welcome to Living Out Loud. Thanks, Mary. It's good to be here. It's wonderful to have you here. And can you believe we're talking about the end of the year? It's December 24th. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe it because, I mean, that's what the date says. But <laughs> I don't I don't know where the year went. I know. It just flew by. It's just it's hard to believe that it is December 24th, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, um, you know, what we're looking forward to in the new year. Uh, But first, let's let's talk a little bit about our background. Mm -hmm. So where did we meet? So this is a wonderful question because I've known (laughs) you for such a long time. I really had to think about this one, but I'm, I feel like it had to have been affinity. I, I, feel I think like. so, too. I think so, too, because I'm just thinking, where else would we have met? Because you came to affinity right after grad school? Correct. Okay. That's right. And that was in 2007? That's right. Okay. That's right. So I feel like it had to have been affinity. Yeah, I think so. I think it was affinity. And yeah. Wow. It had to have been. Absolutely. Because you, you came to affinity and got involved in the XPU that's right. So it was XPU. Which stood for? Uh, experience of you or something like that. Yeah, I remember those initials, but not necessarily what that stood yeah, for. Yeah, but it was a young people right. situation. Right. At Affinity. And it was actually in between, before I graduated grad school, I came home. And I mean, I had been following Affinity for years mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because I went to PWIs and there was never anybody that looked like me. And so and PWIs? I to, oh, predominantly white institutions. Okay. <laughs> uh, specifically, usually colleges and, uh-huh. and universities. That's right. And so I was always looking for black lesbians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you Google that it, at that time, what would come up was not pornography. It would be affinity. Yeah. And, and so I followed for years and terrified to show up, just terrified. Um, but then I finally built up the courage to come for an XPU drop-in, and it just happened that it all fell in alignment. There's a whole story there. Like, I, I, I went up there, knocked on the door, nobody answered. I oh, left. No. Oh, yeah, I left. And where was Affinity then? It was in Hyde Park at the okay. Unitarian Church okay. in the yes. basement, right? Yes, yes, And so nobody answered, and I left. I was like, whew, okay, wasn't meant for me to go. Then um, they <laughs> called back. me. They called me. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, Somebody nice. saw that there was a missed call. They called me back. Oh, nice. I think it had to have been Renisha. She called uh-huh. me back and said, hey, did you just call? Did you just ring the bell? I'm sorry, I missed you. Come on back. I was like, no, I'm going. She's like, no, come back. You already. And I was like, dang. Wow. Okay. And so I remember it was. Renisha Peaches and Felicia Muhammad were the oh first three people I ever met at Affinity. That's incredible. That first day. And um, yeah, I've been stuck ever since. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lovely experience. It has been yes, a lovely no, you've. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I've learned so much from everything I've done with Affinity and um, hopefully have been helpful as well in terms of, you know, just when the organization was getting set up, I was, I was actually there. I was meeting with the steering committee. It was a steering committee that would evolve into the first board of directors. And so mm-hmm. um, been involved with it since then. Um, but here, tell folks a little bit about yourself in terms of, were you born in Chicago and what you're doing now? Let's talk about what you're doing now and, and you know, a little bit of the, the, the timeline to getting to this point. Yeah, 100%. So born and raised south side of Chicago through and through. Parents still live in the same house I grew up in. Grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's family is from here. My mom's family is from Mississippi. She came up to Chicago like so many other people. The great migration. You know what I mean? She's yes. like the extension of that. Uh-huh. Um, and... 
grew up with my mom, my dad, and my older sister, who's like was like another mother. She's 17 years older than me, uh-huh. so she was she was another mom. I was really an only child, and a loving family, a religious family, right? So you're the youngest. I'm the youngest. Okay. The only mm-hmm. youngest. That's not my interesting. It's a thing. And I have a huge uh, difference between myself and my older brother. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing. So I grew up <laughs> in a religious family, uh, Lutheran and Baptist. My family started mm-hmm. a Baptist church on the south side of Chicago. And so I would go to our black Lutheran church because, you know, we only go a hard 70 minutes. You know what I'm saying? It's, I appreciate that. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> I, I appreciate do too, that. Even, yes. even on a communion Sunday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, 75 minutes those days. And <laughs> by the time that church got done... On special occasions, then we would head over to the Baptist church because by that time they were just getting out of Sunday school and they were just heading into service. Oh, my goodness. Because Baptist churches always start later than Catholics and the Lutherans. Well, and I okay. went to Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. We about to, the mm-hmm. same. Yeah. I think Martin Luther just X'd out Mary and everything else was pretty <laughs> <laughs> much exactly the same. Um, so that was my upbringing. My dad is an educator, 48 years teaching my mom, an accountant business manager for the Chicago Children's Choir for over 20-something years. Oh, did you used to go to those performances? I used to sing. Oh, really? I sang with the choir for many years. I sang with the choir, too. Not, not you know, like that, but in my church choir for about nine years. Yeah, yeah. so I did the church yeah. choir. I played piano. I played saxophone. Oh, I don't know. I know. I don't talk Anything a lot about, about you playing the, instruments. I don't. I don't talk a lot about the instrument stuff. But I played for many years. I, have you lost it? I don't. Ha- I haven't lost it. So it's funny. Okay. I sit down at a piano or a keyboard. My mom still has our piano and organ that I grew up playing in our dine in our living room, dining room, my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't lost it completely. Um, my saxophone. I actually rented out to people. My my old band teacher mm-hmm. uh, uses my saxophone till this day. Wow. I competed a lot. I won a lot. My mom wanted me to major in music in college. Um, but, but what did you major in? Radio, television, production. Okay. And a, con- yeah. my, a concentration in multicultural studies. It's just music. You have so many hours uh-huh. that you have to give to music. Right. Right. And I just didn't feel like I had it. I wasn't as passionate about music as my mother wanted me to be. Okay. Um, but I played all growing up. I directed the choir. Child, it was a whole mood. My childhood was something. I was. It was intense. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how they bust me around, got me around. It wasn't for my but you had a lot of, it sounds like, exposure to so many different wonderful things. Oh, it was amazing. The choir was amazing. We traveled to Russia, uh, wow. traveled around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful experience. And I, those are still some friends I still stay connected with who are singing on Broadway, doing all types of amazing things. So. I had no idea about the music background. Um, I, too, uh, majored in radio and television yeah. uh, at Loyola and, um, yeah, wanted to do, you know, was hoping that I would be able to do more film work immediately. Um, but as you might know, documentary filmmaking yeah, it can be a little iffy. A little. <laughs> a little I know, okay. <laughs> you know, I am not clearly Yvonne Welbin, who has, you know, done an extraordinary job and has made a career doing this work. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I, yeah, but radio has always been there. And I had, you know, a show in radio, uh, you know, when I was um, on the radio when I was in college. And then I've actually worked uh, on this station a number of years ago. I don't know if you remember anything about Lesby Gay Radio. Does that sound familiar? Because I've researched. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tra- Tracy, like history. Right. Gay so, media, but then that. after Lesby Gay Radio went away, then Tracy bought it and it became Windy City Radio. And I was on there with um, Jim Bennett on yes. Sunday nights. Oh. With Jim Bennett. Oh, yes, downtown. That was something. It was something. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But tell, I, I'm so excited about everything you've been doing. You made a change. Is it, mm. did you say three years ago now? Yeah, February 2020. It'll be three years. That yeah. Tell us, tell everybody what you did. Well, I quit corporate. That's <laughs> what I did. Um, it was time to go. I did. I did the COVID split, mm-hmm. and corporate taught me a lot. I can reflect on it and say I learned a lot. I was in a tech startup. Mm-hmm. We basically grew up together. The people I worked with are family. I just seen them the other day. Mm-hmm. 
um, but the job was going to kill me. Okay, and that's it's important to be able to take stock and understand what you need to be fulfilled and what you need to just feel okay, to feel good. Exactly. And I had started reading a book, and I've probably read it or listened to it. <laughs> I listen to books, y'all. Um, so but, do I. <laughs> I, so I, just, do I always I. say read, but as you know. Oh, yeah, I, I know. Mean. Right, uh, right. But probably two or three times now called The Big Leap mm-hmm. by Gay Hendricks. Yeah. And he talks about being in your zone of excellence and that being mm-hmm. a great thing. Mm-hmm. But you don't really achieve, like, true joy until you get to the zone of genius. And I, after listening to his book, I realized I had been in my zone of excellence at that job. I had literally done everything I could have done. Closed one of the biggest deals. At, actually, at the time, the biggest deal they had ever closed mm-hmm. at the company. I'm like, what else is there to do? And it was just wild because it was COVID. We were doing oh, virtual okay. events and right. webinars. Right. right. I'm up for North America, Emil, Latam. Who else is up? Um, people would be like, you up, Anna? Yeah, because I need this to go well. Mm-hmm. And everybody was just exhausted. There was just this pure exhaustion. People would try to call me because everybody else wasn't working. Right. Our, thri- our business was thriving. OK. Right. Right. So I yes. had friends trying yes. to talk to me. I'm like, y'all, I'm working. Right. I know everybody. <laughs> when people went in, they assumed people were going in and not necessarily doing a lot. Yeah. I wish I was that case. Mm-hmm. But no, I worked my way through mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. As did we at Morton Group. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I had to leave. And so, I, you know, in 2009, I started the radio station, E3 Radio. We play queer music all day long. And it was a passion project for over a decade. And, I, and many times over the years, I thought about quitting. But there's always a reason why. There's always an excuse why it's not the right time. And it just it just all came together like this is the time to go. And as I really began to reflect, I was like, why not reset with the whole rest of the world? Like the whole world is resetting right mm-hmm. now. It's a perfect time to reset with it. And so I quit. We had this wonderful idea to, to expand the work of the radio station into podcasting. We felt like there was such a huge ocean of opportunity there that wasn't being met when we talk about black communities listening, brown communities, LGBTQ communities. And felt like it could be a beautiful extension of work that we were already doing. And so we call it The Cube. Mm-hmm. Been at it for three years now. I'm still here. We still have a house. That's that's okay. very good. That's very good. Yeah, well, here's amazing. the thing. Let me ask you. When you started to make that move, had you figured out all kinds of details? Or were you kind of moving out on faith a bit? Understood, you know, I've got a little little uh, cash, a little pot of, you know, of reserve, if you will. So I can make this move out here and let's see how it goes. Yes, I mean, I think you only know what you know. That's exactly right. And, you know, you can sit here and research something to doomsday. And still, when you get into it, there's still things you will it's never know. It's a whole know. different story. It's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. You have to live it every mm-hmm. day. That's right. So at the time, I thought I knew exactly what it was going to be. And over the last three years, it has continued to change and evolve. But the, still, the core is there. I just find um, these accelerators and incubators and these founder communities help me to refine the message of what the story is that I'm actually telling. Because when I tell people the story, they hear, they hear all types of things. People are like, oh, it's like the Netflix of podcasts. I was like, hmm. That's an interesting uh, way to phrase it. Okay. That's what I say. Every time somebody, <laughs> somebody says something, they, they reflect back to right. me. Right, what they've heard. What they've heard. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I would have ever thought of before. That can be really helpful, right? It, it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So you sort of just have to be on the journey and be open to all the possibilities of how it can show up in the world, really. And just staying focused on what the actual mission and vision of the thing is. Because there's like a thousand ways to get to the end. So today, <laughs> it is to be the number one podcasting app for people of color. Mm-hmm. How that actually manifests itself and what it looks like in the end, I don't know. But I know the prototypes that we had two years ago do not fit the vision that I have today for it. Um, And why is that? Because the market keeps changing. And you've learned a lot. And I've learned so much. Mm -hmm. Learned more about what people need. Mm -hmm. What do listeners need? What do creators need? And what does it and how can you then meet that need and make sure that it also makes sense for you? Exactly. And how can we leverage the technology? AI today is not what AI was even two years ago. Absolutely. How can we be leveraging that 
to better provide the algorithm to serve up culturally aligned content to people who aren't being served up today. The Apple podcast, the Spotify's of the world, they aren't doing that. That's not what they were built for. Right. That is not how people find their next favorite podcast. They find it because they do a Google search or a friend told them. Those are like the top two ways. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Still. Mm-hmm. Old school. Yes. Right. Yes. Can we build something that can serve a population that is not being served? The story that I'm telling today that seems to resonate a lot with people is I feel podcasting is what television was before BET. Interesting. Before BET. Okay. Right. You could Maybe there was a black show. Maybe one <laughs> that got some got some love, but it was a white male game. Uh-huh. Okay. Podcasting, 20 years old. It has been a white man's game. The Joe Rogans, the Hubermans, the uh, whoever else you can mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. of, uh, that Ben Shapiro guy. Yes. Right? Yes. But that's going to change, right? It's absolutely going to change. It's, cha- it's changing. It you is, are changing it. It's changing. Right now, right here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you are changing it. And we're going to talk more yeah. about The Cube and, and all of your other projects because there's many projects you're working on under uh, <laughs> under that umbrella. Uh, and a little bit later, we're going to be hearing from uh, Sally Castillo, uh, an up-and-coming author in our community. And, uh, yeah, we're going to also check out some new music uh, from Craig Loftus. Thank you so much for supplying our music. But right now, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Living out loud on WCPT 820 AM and we're back in a moment. It's Mary Morton with Living Out Loud. And here's a little bit about Morton Group, the sponsor of my show. Morton Group is a national consulting firm working with nonprofits, foundations, for-profits, and government entities. Our work helps organizations expand and deepen their impact by working on equity initiatives and executive placements, among other areas of focus. Reach out to us at info at mortongroup.com with any questions. And don't forget to listen in on Sundays at 1 p.m. on WCPT 820 a.m. And we are back. You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, and I'm here with just an incredible co-host today, Anna Deshawn. Hey. <laughs> Don't you like how I say Anna Deshawn? I love it. Okay. So, you know, this is our segment where we talk about 
culture and news and all those kinds of things. And I, you, you brought in a couple of items that you wanted to talk about. So let's let's get started. Um, we're going to start with Representative Ayanna Presley. Yeah, I had the wonderful honor of actually meeting her this year, which got to make one of my top ten mm-hmm. lists. Absolutely. Um, with the pod I produced during the breakthrough with uh, Anna Valencia and, and Connie, Connie Lindsay. Lindsay. Right. We had the I had the opportunity to meet her. She is just as dynamic in person as you would imagine. Mm-hmm. She's from Chicago, right? Like straight shot town. Um, but she just introduced this piece of legislation called Books Save Lives Act. And it's intentionally supposed to combat all of the book bans that have been going on over the last few years that, you know, right wing nationalists have been pushing across the country. And the stats just blew me away. There's been 3,000 instances of books that were banned across 33 states. Wait a minute. 3,000 instances yes. of books that have banned have been banned across 33 states. Okay. Wow. And um, that's a 33% increase from last year. And they just aren't stopping. And mm-hmm. um, I had Lambda Literary, mm-hmm. um, Samia Bashir, I interviewed her this year about this. And she said, you know, it's really only a handful of people who are making decisions for the masses. Absolutely. And, and that's always been the way, honestly, right? That's how it, that's how it's happened. Absolutely. Yeah. And so... You know, Representative Presley got a history of groundbreaking legislation with the Crown Act, mm-hmm. right? That's right. I'm sitting here with locks. Mm-hmm. As am I. Okay. And I won't get fired. Okay. That's right. And, and so my hope is that her and her team can do the same thing with this piece of legislation because it's been wild what has been happening when it comes to books. I actually uh, posted a video on my TikTok. Um, this woman, and, it, and she actually took the video down. Oh, um, really? She was in Florida and she did a video of all the books that they were going to have to get rid of. And there were, the boxes were as tall as I am, full of books that were going to have to be removed from the school. And the thought that crossed my mind is like, what do you do with them? Exactly. Where do they go? Right, right. They're not being donated anywhere. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just turns my stomach. Um, so, yeah, we reported on this on the Queer News podcast this week. and So it was just introduced. So just it'll, it'll introduced. go up to committee and all that That's in the right. new year. It's got to go right? through all the channels. Okay. Yeah, all right. We'll see where it lands. Well, I'm, I'm, gonna be, I'm going to look for that because it is very important, right? Yeah. yeah. And particularly as we move into an election year where all of these kinds of things, the book banning, the anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ legislation, all those things will take on uh, even uh, a greater presence in 24. So let's talk about Native Son. Yeah. So NATO Sun is a wonderful organization um, amplifying black, gay and queer men, leaders. Um, it's really dope. Emil Wokobin, who is like entertainment. He's been in the entertainment industry for probably two decades. Uh-huh. Um, used to be at Essence. He started Native Sun to amplify black, gay and queer men. And we don't have a lot of organizations that do that. Well, certainly not together. I mean, I think that is a huge distinction, right? Yes. That it's it's straight and gay. Oh, no, folks. not straight. Just gay and queer. Oh, it's just gay and queer. Just gay that, and queer. We don't have that either. No. <laughs> okay. No, not at all. And so he, they dropped this list every year, the class of, and he dropped oh, the wow. class of 2023. And they've been doing this for four years now. The list is full of 101. But what makes the list so special is the artwork is so beautiful. It is. That I, tells mm-hmm. the story of these men. And then they, he also does, because he's Hollywood, they do this huge event, yes. red carpet, you know, type of thing. But I just think it's beautiful. Some people on the list this year that really stand out to me, um, our very own Avery R. Young is on the yes, list this year. Yes, you yes, know, yes, yes. Chicago. He is going to be a guest on this show soon. Yes. All right. Very good. <laughs> you know, Chicago's first boy laureate. That's right. Um, we also had Don Abram, who's based here in Chicago. He's the founder of Pride in the Pews, mm-hmm. who is out here educating black churches on how to be a and also taking care of the black queer people in those churches, making sure that they are well, Lovely. right? Um, 
all, the whole team from the film Rustin yes. is included on this list, yes. which I think is beautiful. Because have, you've seen Rustin, of course. I have seen yes. Rustin. Mm-hmm. It is powerful. Very powerful. Want to really encourage people to check it out. Coleman Domingo deserves all the flowers. Yes, and he was nominated for a Golden Globe. Yes. So exciting. He deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the list is beautiful. You will find... There will absolutely be people you do not know that you need to know that are on this list. That's, and that's the beauty of it, right? Really yes. sharing stories that we don't know about. And I just want to read a little bit about, about what it actually says for their mission. Native mm-hmm. Son harnesses the collective power of black gay men with the goal of ensuring that our voices, visibility, and lived experiences are elevated in all of the communities in which we exist and never again disregarded. Love that. Love it. It's a it's it's a beautiful thing. Um, and yeah, I was just I just always look forward to this list. And when I saw people posting it on social, I was like, oh, it's out. Let me go check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim M. West is on there, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Chicago is represented. Yeah, we own it. Yes, we are. <laughs> I love it. All right. So check out that list. And then um, BET show. For the fellas. Yeah. Tell us about that. It's funny. So on Queer News, I very rarely ever talk about BET. I do culture and entertainment, but there's usually no reason to talk about BET. Mm -hmm. They're not usually doing anything for queer culture on BET, for real. Um, But this show, For the Fellas, they did a special episode. I think it's their second one. But it was special because one of the guests was Saucy Santana. Now, if you know Saucy, okay, Saucy is black. He's queer. He is big. Okay, he is everything you think he is. Okay, his nails <laughs> are longer than my wife's. Okay, <laughs> and he is hood as they come. But he's made it right. He's mm-hmm. on a different angle than Lil Nas X because okay. Lil Nas X right is like more pop, more mainstream. Uh-huh. Saucy is straight hood rap. Right, he is kicking it with like your favorite. <laughs> okay, you know, like Carisha Please and like these other cats. And so Saucy is on this stage with Deval Ellis, who people may know, and like black straight men who you would think are holding some heteronormative beliefs mm-hmm. around what it means to be black and gay. Right. And so he is on there just holding his own and they are supporting him the whole time saying you are one of the fellas. That's incredible and wonderful to hear at a time when that's not happening in the mainstream necessarily. It's not. And I, you know, I'm probably going to do a video about this on TikTok because I have been just so encouraged. Now, this year has been rough for the queers, okay, Um, (laughs) on so many levels. But at the same time, there have been some beautiful moments of black men loving their trans kids. And this has just been a beautiful moment of black men loving on another black man who just happens to be gay. And And that's and the way you said that, right, that that we're not leading with that, that that is another part of their identity. But it is not out front, not in front of who they are. It is part of who they are, but it's not being focused on in the way that it often is. That's right. That's right. And I think examples are Dwayne Wade. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Right. With Zaya. I think all Magic, the awards. Right. Magic Johnson Absolutely. doesn't get enough credit Absolutely. for how he Agreed. supports and loves EJ. That's right. And really has done so much uh, to bring clarity and understanding around HIV in the black community. Period. That's right. Then you have Marlon Wayans, who just came out talking about how much he loves his trans kids. Yes, yes, Right, And now we got For the Fellas, where these black men are saying, you are one of the fellas. And Deval Ellis shares a beautiful story. Um, He has a lot of kids. His whole social profile has been built around that. Now he's an actor, Tyler Perry Studios, very popular. Him and his wife got a popular podcast. He shares a story about one of his sons going out to, like, trick-or-treat, and they not wanting to go to a particular house. Now, this house had two gay men that lived there. And he's like, oh, me and my boys don't do that. Wow. And he said, what what don't you do? And so he has this teachable moment with his son. Yes. And then he shares that one of his best friends is gay. So he tells his son, like, well, this person, X, is gay. And X is gay. Mm-hmm. And he said, there, it's like, oh, that's what it is? Okay. Oh, 
oh, well, then we good. Right. Right. Because, again, it's this idea that I didn't know that I knew anyone who was gay. That's right. right? That's right. And so then he goes on to tell the story that his friend came over to hang out one day and his sons gave him a big hug. They gave him this big hug. And how his friend just stood there and just started crying. I'm about to start crying because I actually heard him tell the story. Oh, my goodness. And he said, why are you crying? He's like, because when people find out you're gay, they treat you different. And it's not necessarily a positive experience. That's right. Mm-hmm. But he said, they just hugged me like always. Yes. And how big of a difference that made for him. Nice. And so he like changed the generational situation for his kids That's around right. being around homophobia That's, in exactly. their community. That's oh, right. God, I'm crying because it was just such an emotional moment that we don't often hear about because people always want to say like being black, black communities worse than any other communities. And I'm here to tell you, it's just the same. Yeah, absolutely. It is just the same. No, it is the same. And I think people, we have to continuously break down those old stories, those um, tapes, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, that are playing in terms of how um, inclusive our community's always been. Didn't necessarily always talk about it. But who didn't grow up with, you know, Uncle Bobby or, you know, Aunt Sheila and her friend, right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, And so I think now, certainly, you know, for younger generations, being able to be a little bit more explicit and talk about it uh, more directly is going to help them. Because, of course, as we know, they don't care. That's right. They don't really care about that. And and everything they have learned from us um, has really been... um, what the well, how we socialized them, right? How how we have shown them how to be homophobic, how to be transphobic, mm-hmm. all those isms. As you know, no one's born knowing that; they learn it. That's right. So we have an opportunity to make a difference. We do. Yeah. And he did that absolutely with his kids. That's and, an, that's wonderful. And it just meant so much. And I I I encourage you all to go check it out. I'm not always sending people to BET, okay? But I'm sending you there <laughs> on the YouTube channel. You know, I think last time I saw it, it was up to seventy thousand listens, watches, views, or something like that. But it's just. I think it's just so important for us to keep telling these stories out here Absolutely. in the world. Otherwise, people will think that they're supposed to be one way. That's I think right. the same way we want and need representation as queer folks uh-huh. is the same way that straight folks need representation of what inclusivity looks like. Okay. Because if they don't have examples of what inclusivity no, looks like, exactly they right. don't know how to model it. That's exactly right. We and have they don't to show know them. it's okay. We have to show them. Now, let's... Uh, round out this segment with some films that people should binge on yeah. over the holidays. Yes, yeah, the holiday season. So, you know, on the Queer News Podcast, which all of you all should subscribe to and check out, drop it every Monday by 7 a.m. Okay, that's enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do politics, and then we do culture and entertainment. And I have I have also been very encouraged. Every time something tragic has happened, there's also art that leads the way. Right. 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 Oftentimes, art is always ahead and shaping culture before politics comes along for the ride. That's exactly right. And we need, and that's one of the many reasons we need the arts. Absolutely. It's necessary. And so there's been some wonderful films, even just recently, that have dropped out here on these Netflix streets, okay, that I think you should go check out. So one is called The Dads. The Dads, okay. It's uh, Matthew Shepard's father takes about five or six dads fishing. It's the most heteronormative thing they could okay. ever do. Are you talking about Matthew Shepard, who was killed many yes. years ago? I don't think I, I, did, I don't. I didn't know anything about this, which is very surprising. Yeah. Okay. So they filmed them going fishing, which most, like I said, the straightest thing they could do, right? But they all have trans kids. Oh, And so, okay. so they go together and they film them bonding over what it means to love and take care and navigate having trans kids. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So you got to go watch the dads. Then there is We Live Here, the Midwest. It is a film. I think they follow five families yes, that live in the I've Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, five. I think they're all lesbians. 
No, queer. They're mm-hmm. all queer. Mm-hmm. Families who have kids here in the Midwest. And I love that they didn't come to Chicago because we're such a big city. They went to the rural areas around us. And they follow them and they tell their stories. Check it out. Then there's another one called Old Lesbians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just what you think it okay. is. Like the old gays? Because you know there's a whole group of men oh. now. The old gays. First off, I'm obsessed with them on TikTok. Okay, The I have old been gays? For, yes, the old gays. <laughs> they are hilarious. I have to watch them. Okay. OMG, you can binge them on TikTok forever. Okay. They do. Okay. Whoever is doing the social for them, I don't know who started that with them, but it is absolutely brilliant. Okay. Hands down. And then, and then sometimes they get sick and you're following how they are. Yeah, it's just a whole mood. Um, but this old lesbians film, it actually took letters um, that were collected over time. And they uh, documented that and also their journeys. It's, uh, wow. it's supposed to be really good. And then, of course, you got to see Rustin. You oh, it. you got well. Everyone, everybody, I mean, I've seen Rustin, everybody so everybody, everybody go should go Rustin. and check out Rustin. Yeah. there's really such um, such important history um, because people will know about the March on Washington. But when I say, "And do you know who the architect of the March on Washington is?" Yeah. people will be like, uh, "No," As, yeah. you know, they don't they don't know the name, and we know why they don't know the name because of homophobia. That's right. right. Um, and it was really difficult to see the scene where he parts ways with Martin Luther King. Mm. You know, he just um, had to do it in in many cases for the the. I, I want to say in quotes the good of the movement mm-hmm. um, at least that's how it was explained to him mm-hmm. yet um, it's folks like John D'Amelio who's right here in Chicago who's written an incredible um, biography on on Bayard Rustin that I want to encourage people to read uh, but there's such an important piece of history that so many folks have missed that this film hopefully will introduce them to I think it will yeah, I, uh, and I, and Coleman Domingo is absolutely brilliant as Rustin, and I love seeing the love, right? Yeah, when you see queer love on the big screen, it is is so affirming. Absolutely, and we don't see that, especially from men, and and not for for folks of color, not for white no, folks. Absolutely no. Not. So yeah. okay, a couple things to check out while you're at home during the the holiday break, if you are so fortunate to have a holiday break. Understanding that everyone may not, right? But if you have some time to watch some things, check these. Um, Check some of these films out. Um, We're going to be right back in just a moment with uh, Sally Castillo. We're going to talk about her book. Um, But first, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Living Out Loud. We're back in a moment. Now 
and we are back on Living Out Loud. I'm here with Anna Deshawn, our co-host for the week, and talking about all things, talking about the culture. Hey. That's right. That's talking about the culture. <laughs> and we are going to continue talking about the culture. I am excited to welcome a longtime friend who I... You know, honestly, don't see as much as I'd like, because you know how that happens, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But want to welcome Sally Castillo to Living Out Loud. We're going to talk all about your writing, Sally. Hello and welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, ladies. And good morning, Anna and Mary. Yes, we have not seen each other for a long time, but yes. Yes, it's Uh, great. It does, but great to have you on. And, you know, give us a little bit of background. We always like to set some context for our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you grew up and how you became an author. Well, thank you for asking. Um, I grew up in Chicago, born and raised um, in the Colton neighborhood. And uh, it was at the time, back in the uh, 70s when I was very young, um, it was a a mixed neighborhood. You know, there was a lot of uh, new Hispanic families moving in and uh, Polish and Bohemian and Czech. Hmm. And it was a melting pot, very much so. And um, so I kind of consider that, you know, uh, my learning experience, Mm -hmm. you know, from the neighborhood and people that I met there. Right. It's a great growing up area. And Mm -hmm. where did you go to high school? I went to high school in Pilsen at an all-girls high school uh, called Sweet Anne's, which Uh, is no longer there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you mm-hmm. so you you had um, the Catholic education. <laughs> I did. I had the Catholic education and um, made a lot of friends. Um, I went to St. Anne's for a few years, then moved to a public high school, uh, Kelly High School in the Brighton Park area. I see. Well, you know, so, when uh, I was growing up, Sally, I just have to tell you, when I was growing up, I went to a Catholic. Um, I went to, well, I went to from kindergarten. Okay, kindergarten <laughs> through oh, okay. college. Oh, you're a Catholic uh, girl. But, but this uh, is what this is what they the. I hate to say the nuns would tell us, you know, just be happy you're here at Holy Name of Mary Elementary School because you could be going across the street with the publics because their parents don't care about them. This is what I, I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> the publics. I know the publics. That's right. The publics. I mean, it's yeah. luckily we, we we know better than that now and we don't use those terms. But um, tell us a little bit about your family makeup. Oh, I come from a very, very large Hispanic family. My father is one of 18 children. And as you can imagine, yes, and as you can imagine, I have many, many cousins who have many, many children of their own. Okay. So when we do a family reunion every year, we're talking several hundred people. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and we're all very close. That's incredible. A lot of of the family has moved away to different parts of the country, but a lot have remained in the Chicago area, the suburbs. So we get together quite often. All right. So as a matter of fact, yes, as a matter of fact, Christmas Eve, I'm having my... 27 of my uh, most immediate family over for Christmas Eve dinner. Okay. 27 so, uh, equals immediate. Okay. You know, yeah, that's something. Immediate. I'm just talking <laughs> brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and yeah. It's going to be a grand time. Let's talk about your book, though. <laughs> let's, let's talk about, okay, first you went into corporate America for many years, and then you transitioned oh, yeah, into this definitely. role around a, a writer. But you tell us just a, a snippet about being in corporate for so long. I was. I started uh, back at a large insurance company back in the 80s, and I was there as a uh, general clerk right out of high school. Mm -hmm. It was my first job where I actually made a salary, and um, other than babysitting or working at McDonald's, and um, I progressed. And and the funny thing is, and I have to, I have to give kudos to um, some of my co-workers back in the day because they really. 
pushed me into going to college. Uh, I didn't have a college education. My parents are blue-collar workers. They were very, very fortunate to have thriving businesses without, you know, going to college. And that they pushed um, uh, the work ethic to uh, their children. And that's what we did. Right out of high school, we went to work. And as I moved through the company, I realized I needed an education. So I did, I did go back and get my undergrad, finally, um, a master's and then an MBA. And then um, it was a struggle for me because I didn't feel at the time that I could do it. But I had some very good friends who I worked with that really encouraged me. And it gave me confidence to, uh, to actually, I think, become the writer that I've always wanted to be. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you moved into writing and your your first book. I know you're working on a, a second book, but let's talk about actually actually a third book. A third actually, book, okay. Third book, I've Mary. missed a book. Yes. Okay, I've missed one. Well, let's talk about how you made the transition. Okay. How'd you make the transition to well, being a writer? Well, I've always I've always loved writing. Ever since I, I think writers all tend to be journalists and uh, they journal every day. And that's what I did ever since I was a child. Like I said, I I did grow up in a very large family, and um, I was a little bit introverted, a little bit shy. So I would share uh, in my writing what I wanted my future to be like. Uh, It didn't go that way immediately, obviously. Um, I didn't start publishing um, writing as a true writer until several years ago, but I've always been a writer. Back in the 80s, I had a column though it was for a short period of time, um, with Tracy Bates' paper, uh-huh. uh, the Hispanic component of London City Times. And I loved it. I loved the writing. And um, uh, I loved to write poetry and stories. And it was something I've always done. Even in high school, I was in the school newspaper in college, I wrote. And after I left corporate, my wife said to me, okay, what do you, what do you want to do? You know, and I said, I want to write a book. And she says, well, then, okay. <laughs> so, uh, and I really didn't know how to go about it. And I did, you know, some research. I've always been an uh, uh, avid reader. Um, and some books have inspired me ever since I was young. There's a writer who wrote a book in the 50s. And I'm sure you've probably heard of her. Um, she wrote under the name Claire Morgan, but her name is Patricia Highsmith. Mm-hmm. And she wrote Stranger on the Train and the Fabulous Mr. Um, Ripley, and uh, she wrote a book called The Price of Salt, and it is a uh, book about two women in the 50s who fall in love. That's incredible. It it inspired me. And what And did that inspire this current book? Because I was reading about you, and fantasy seems to be tied into it. Love to hear more about the current book. Yeah, let's talk about the current book. We want to make sure we talk about that and your your second book, while we still have you. So why don't we talk yeah. a little bit about the actual books you've my, my first book, The Pages of the Female, uh, is set in the 40s. And it is a fantasy. I, I, I love writing fantasy about uh, the past and the future and time travel. And The Pages of Adina is set in Tilson in the 40s. And it's about a young girl named Adina Kahlo, who uh, gets the name Kahlo because, you know, mm-hmm. Frida Kahlo. Yep. So, um, and um, it's about how... She comes of age and realizes that um, she's gay and how she's always wanted to be a writer. And she she has a best friend named Alan and they discover uh, a place that's kind of a portal to the past. And she goes into the past and she meets this wonderful woman. And she also meets people like uh, Gertrude Stein, Henry Miller, 
Picasso. Um, and it's all about her adventures in the past and meeting these amazing people and how she falls in love with a woman. And it has a happy ending. And that's what I like to write. I like to consider my books like fun beach reads. Okay. Lovely. Take on a vacation. Beach something. You know, I, mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You read them on the beach. You enjoy them on your vacation. You know, I don't pretend to be, you know, uh, Ernest Hemingway or anybody <laughs> like that. I just love to write. And where can people books. where can people find your books? Because we want we we want people to go and get it. Well, they are on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble online, both in ebook and in print. Um, the pages of Adina, of Adina is also at Women and Children First and at the book at the book table in Oak Park. And um, I do occasionally do book readings and events. I just recently did an event at Whiskey Girl uh, for an organization um, that our friend Susan Blake and her uh, wife uh, work for. And it was basically um, showcasing small uh, businesses run by women, owned by women. And I had a table there and did very well, as well as the other women. So I'm around town, and um, my books are available, as I said, on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. And I'm very pleased to say that they're doing very well. Wonderful. Um, So, Sally, tell us about the second book before we wrap. Oh, the second book. Yes, the second book is called The Trunk. Mm -hmm. And it is also a fantasy also a time travel book, and it is about a, a, a young woman who's engaged to a man in Florida. She's from Chicago. My my uh, protagonist tends to be Chicago girls. And um, she realizes she's not in love with him, and uh, she's in Florida, and she goes to an antique store and sees the trunk, like a steamer trunk from the 1920s. And the trunk, again, is kind of the catalyst to the past, and she finds all kinds of wonderful uh, things in the trunk, writings, and, and um, jewelry, and uh, it's a link to a woman in the past mm-hmm. who's an anthropologist working in uh, Kenya. Oh, wow. And, um, yes, that and sounds... through, through the trunk, they meet and um, have a happy ending. Wonderful. There's well, a lot of adventure. In I love that you have happy endings, right? Because we need some happy endings right about now. And mm-hmm. um, thank you, Sally, mm-hmm. for sharing you're with us welcome. all about what you're writing. And it's really encouraging to other folks who've had this idea that, you know, I want to write a book. You know, you're, I'm sitting here from a social entrepreneur herself, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm excited that you've been able to follow this dream of yours that you've held for so long. And we've been speaking with Sally Castillo. Um, Amazon and Barnes & Noble are where you can catch her books, Pages of Edema and The Trunk. Check them out and be on the lookout for book number three. When do we think book number three will be out, Sally? I'm looking to uh, summer 2024. All right. Summer of 2024. We will be watching for the latest book. Thank you so much for joining us on Living Out Loud. Oh, thank you. And continued success. Thank you. Very nice meeting you. All right. Have a wonderful holiday. Mary, Anna, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And you're listening to Living Out Loud, and we're back in a moment.
Latin people, this is Gina Yashua, comedian extraordinaire. And when I'm in Chicago, I like to hang out with my good friend, Mary Morton, on her fantastic show, Living Out Loud on WCPT. So listen. Gina Yashua, I love her. And every week I have to say, I want people to watch Monday nights. On CBS, Bob Hart's Abishola. Uh, this is the last season. Oh, is it? Yes. They, they they will have had a really good run of five five seasons. So. Yeah, in television today, that's a long, it's long time. It's a long time, and I'm so proud of her and all, all that she's done. And, um, yeah, ho- hopefully. I'm crossing my fingers that I can go to the the last uh, recording of the show. Oh, that'd that's be awesome. That's what I'm hoping to do. Um, but, no, it's it's been a great piece of uh, television. Yeah, she know? worked a long time to get to that moment. Absolutely. I think Decades. people, when you see folks, you just think, oh, it's just overnight. No, there's no overnight here. And um, she has really made so many things happen. It, it's really about just the will to make it happen. I've just, you know, I've listened to her uh, talk about her story and um, she's worked very, very hard. So mm-hmm. I'm sure she will continue to have um, much more success. But right now, let's talk about some of your success. Mm. So let's talk about some of the projects that you are on and, and this whole idea of leaving corporate and moving into really social entrepreneurship and what that's been like, right? Tell us. It's been amazing. And I really understand when people say as high as you can go is as low as you can get. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. That's right. But the bigger the risk, also the harder to fall. That that is exactly right. Um, And I felt all of that over this three year journey. There are highs that I could have never, ever met if I would have stayed in corporate. There are places I have I would have never gone. There are people I would have never, ever met. And my life over the last three years have been absolutely amazing and hard. Okay, well, let's talk about that because it's going to be hard, right? There are going to be some hard spots, but there are going to be some extraordinary spots. And, and the extraordinary is what keeps you going. Even the even dreaming about the extraordinary. You know, this year we, we won Ambi, uh, which is like the Oscars of podcasting in March. It seems That's so wonderful. It, things I've never even thought about, dreamed about, right? I dream about certain things. I dream about Peabody's, okay? I dream about impactful journalism. I dream about those things. I never knew to dream about an Ambi. And it's just, it was incredible. And so it's just been an amazing ride. And I feel like the mission is being fulfilled of creating content that matters and that is impactful. And I hear that from people. And, and and when people text me and they say, I yes. see you, yes. they have no idea how much. I always tell people you don't know what it means to me because in that moment, there's always something going right. on when you're an entrepreneur. There's That's right. always something. I can <laughs> certainly attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I love is that every day is different. One thing That's that is, what I love, too. One thing that is challenging is that every, every day, day is different. different. <laughs> <laughs> it goes both ways, you know. And, That's right. And and I have just I'm just really on the journey and releasing control and being open. Clearly, to, to many to things. So let's yeah. talk about a couple of those projects coming up. I want to talk mm-hmm. about, um, what is it, Second Sunday. And I also want to talk about your college tour. Second Sunday is the first podcast I ever wanted to drop as a Cube original. And it's the last one that we dropped this year. It's the one we've been working on the longest. And it couldn't have been more divine the way it's come together with this collaboration with PRX and signing on with them for two seasons of mm-hmm. this podcast mm-hmm. and being able to create dream lists. And they got professional bookers and, you know, they told me the other day, Mary, you will not believe this. Okay. So you know how much I love Robin Roberts. Yes, I do. And so I put her on the list for no good reason. Yes, and there's a quote in the bottom of each one of your emails. Every single from one. From Robin Roberts. I'm going to manifest this moment in <laughs> That's my right. life. That's right. They told me the other day that she knows about the podcast. Oh. 
state that she okay. knows about it. I am. That was almost enough. You're getting enough. closer and closer so to close. Robin Roberts. Oh I gosh. have no doubt that you are going to talk with Robin oh. Roberts. We're just going to make that happen. Oh Absolutely. It's going to happen. And so Second Sunday is about black queer people finding, keeping, and sometimes losing faith. And as as you as we talked about a little bit, I grew up a church kid. My dad right. might as well be a preacher. Uh, he does everything but have a have a church home that he, he pastors. And I just felt like this is a topic that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. We are the don't ask, don't tell of the church. Mm. And we have been at the core and the center of creating it, building it, and all the music that people sing in it. That's and, right. And I, we have beautiful stories around how we have reconciled that whole experience. And we've all done it in so, so many different ways. So we just finished season one. We're getting ready for season two. I'm excited about the stories we're telling and how we're telling them. And it has stretched me creatively. I'm a better podcast producer today than I was when we started this season truthfully and how we tell stories and that's what it's about right constantly learning improving your craft you are doing it and it has been so wonderful the partnership with prx has been better than i could have ever imagined it to be and i'm just so grateful for the work so i encourage everybody to listen to second sunday you can find it wherever you get your podcasts you know and then what what about the college tour Tell, tell us about that before we close absolutely we we listen to podcasts by ourselves it's like this singular experience but you always want to ask somebody like what you think about that mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and you don't have a chance because you don't know who else is listening to that that's podcast. right that's right so i figured why not do it in community with silent headphones in tow because their noise canceling is how you should listen to sound design is with headphones and so we, we went on tour this year and now i'm taking it to colleges and universities so we play excerpts of our podcast and then we have conversations about that and all of our con- all of our podcasts are at the intersections of race and sexuality and so we're talking about things like Inclusivity. We're talking about black HIV in the South. We're talking about church. We are talking about everything that we don't talk about out loud mm-hmm. and doing it in a safe and brave spaces. And I'm excited about going to colleges and universities. I'm excited about bringing podcasting to the forefront where I think storytelling belongs. Storytelling. It is how we are going to change the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So book me. You know what I'm saying? If you got okay. a college university, how do people find me. you? How do people find you? At Anna Deshaun across all social media. Um, you can follow the Cube at the Cube app, T H E Q U B E app, and please reach out. Okay, my website andadeshawn.com and the Cube app. Let's get into it. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. And I want to just say I'm wishing you a very successful 2024. Thank you are you are doing it, and I'm so excited for you. Really, that you are out here, as you said, you've manifested uh, this this dream, and it's coming coming to the forefront. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. And so- it's happening. I want y'all to know because Mary helps it. Okay. <laughs> I, want, I, I can't even tell y'all everything. And she rushing me along. You should see her. She's moving her finger telling me I got time. I got minutes, seconds. Okay. But I can't say thank you enough, truly, for well, how you support and how you show up. And I just can't say thank you enough for that. Well, I am happy to do it. I... As you know, think very highly of you. Love you to pieces, and whatever I can do to support you, uh, that is what that is what I'll do. And we're going to go now because I'm not going to start crying. Uh, but I do want to say to everyone, I hope you're having a great New Year's Eve, and that you're going to have a great holiday if you celebrate the holiday. Uh, you've been listening to Anna Deshawn. Check her out. On- Uh, Anna Deshaun across all social uh, media. And uh, we'll be back um, for our December 31st show. Tracy Bain will be joining me. I love Tracy. Uh, Yes, yes. And um, until next time. I can do what I do because Tracy did what she did. Yes, that's right. We've all been opening doors and we want people to keep walking through them. And so until next time, uh, this has been Living Out Loud on WCPT 820 AM. Have a great Sunday, everyone.